agree, say amen. And could you give our worship team a hand? Thank you guys. Well, we are continuing our series on the seven I am's of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus says, I am seven different times. And so we've talked about how he said last week, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And so to kick things off, I thought it would be the most appropriate to uh, give you some sheep puns. Okay? I found out that they are woolly funny, and I hope that you do too. Okay, if you didn't like that joke, just hold on. You're not going to like the next two minutes. <laughs> All right, so who is a sheep's favorite singer? Brittany Shears. Okay. Was that good? Was that worth coming out in the rain? All right. <laughs> what do you call a sheep that does uh, karate? Lamb chop. Okay. <laughs> All right, where do sheep go on holidays? They go to the Bahamas. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, where, where do sheep go to watch funny videos? They go to YouTube. E-W-E. YouTube. Okay. If you got to spell it, it might not be a good joke. All right, let's do one more. All right, so uh, how do sheep in Spain say Merry Christmas? Fleece Navidad. You get it? You got it? Okay. All right, so that's done. Now we can go to the Word of God. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll be here all day. Thank you. Uh, John chapter 10, let's start in verse 7. I'm going to pick up where my dad, where our pastor, left off last week because when he talks about I am the door, it really goes right into the good shepherd. So we'll pick up there. Verse 7 says, So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, the hired man, since he's not the shepherd and, and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. Uh, this happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Isn't that a powerful uh, passage of Scripture? It really shows us the heart of Jesus, and that's really what this whole thing is about. And so what I want to do is uh, tell you five different things or five different ways that Jesus is the good shepherd, different aspects or attributes about Jesus. And while I'm doing that, I also want to parallel this chapter in John chapter 10 with an Old Testament passage, uh, a Psalm 23, where a shepherd, David, uh, shepherd of sheep, actually became a shepherd of God's kingdom, Israel, and has a lot to say about how God is the shepherd. Now, before I tell you that I'm going to be talking about Psalm 23, I don't want you to quickly dismiss it as some sort of um, poetic psalm that just sort of sounds nice 
uh, and makes for a nice plaque in your bathroom, okay? Because it's a lot more than that, okay? It's not just a little, um, little psalm that we should quickly dismiss. 30 years ago, I thought that maybe it was just a nice little poem, um, I memorized this psalm at the Wednesday night Bible study class that I was a part of. And when my great-grandpa passed away, when I was seven years old, uh, give or take, uh, on a little um, the funeral like brochure, whatever, <laughs> that's not a brochure, <laughs> program, sorry, um, that was <laughs> printed um, on the inside. And, you know, so to tell you about my great-grandpa, uh, he was a man of God. All right, so he knew the Bible backwards and forwards. He was a church planter and pastor. He was a missionary. Um, He was a very godly man. My mom described him as the most holy man she had ever met. So I don't know what that says about your pastor, but, you know, but he was like, (laughs) he was the most holy guy. And he would not... Uh, you know, no offense to anybody, you know, we have donuts and coffee and stuff, but he wouldn't bring, uh, he wouldn't eat in the sanctuary. He wouldn't bring coffee. He wouldn't even bring water into the sanctuary because he reverenced the house of the Lord and God at that level. Okay? Now, I mean, I've got coffee on the front row. So I'm, there's nothing wrong with drinking coffee, but then again, I'm not the holiest man my mom's ever seen, just throwing that out there. Um, so when I saw Psalm 23 on his, in, in the program, I thought, like, is that the best you could do? Like, <laughs> like, that's sort of just like the go-to verse that you would just put in there. I was expecting maybe something like deep and meaningful and like a revolutionary scripture to be like, wow, I've never uh, read that before. And it just changes everything in my mind. Not just kind of like the go-to, like, oh yeah, John 3.16. But I think my great-grandpa knew something about Psalm 23 that I didn't know as a seven-year-old boy. And I want to try to open your mind up a little bit in that regard. This is a really powerful passage of scripture, and there is some deep meaning here. So I want you to kind of lean in instead of check out if I mention Psalm 23 today, okay? So let's look at the first uh, point of the shepherd is Jesus, the good shepherd. He is our provision. The Lord provides. You see in John 10 that there is a thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then there is the good shepherd that comes to bring life and life abundantly. Amen. We see that the shepherd in John 10 wants to take the sheep to the pasture where there is uh, food and nourishment and uh, the ability to grow. That reminds me of Psalm 23.1 that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's God's job to provide for us, and that's what he wants to do if we allow him to do that. When I think about God's provision, I think about a time not too long ago at the very beginning of this pandemic when, um, so it was March of 2020, and I have been on staff here at Grace Church for about 15 years, um, and it's been a wonderful experience, and I have been full-time Uh, most of that time. 
But a few years ago, I, w- I became a part-time staff member uh, to free me up to become a full-time staff member at a ministry called Every Home for Christ. And uh, that's the ministry I was a part of for a short time before the pandemic. And then in, in March of 2020, I got a phone call and I was told that along with uh, more than 50 other uh, staff members at Every Home for Christ, I was getting laid off. This was a shock to me. Uh, I had just been told, like, days earlier, you're not going to lose your job. Um, and then that didn't happen, so I did lose my job. And um, I was really, there was a lot of financial insecurity, to say the least. I didn't know what was going to happen or where the rest of my income was coming from. I didn't know at the time if Grace Church was going to be able to bring me back on full time. And uh, to my dad's credit, and with much gratitude to him and the board here at this church, uh, I was able to come back on for a season uh, as a full-time staff member, and, and God was able to to work everything out, but there was a season there where fear wanted to come in uh, and, and wanted to say, Marcus, uh, you are not a, a valuable person because my identity was in this job, or you are, uh, you're not going to be able to provide for your family. Charity had walked away from her job so that she could spend more time with the kids, and here I am. I, uh, we did the, the Dave Ramsey class with our small group, and we had our emergency fund, thankfully. So, like, we were kind of prepared, but we had just, you know, followed Dave's advice and, you know, uh, saved up and paid cash for our car. I remember that the day that I, I lost my job, I drove straight back to CarMax, and I said, hey, I know you have a refund policy on the car thing, so I just want to, like, bolster up that emergency fund a little bit. What can you do to help me out? And he said... Uh, you know, our refund policy is for seven days, and you've had this car for 21 days, so there's really nothing we can do. And I said, well, you don't understand, because, you know, the whole, you know, <laughs> pandemic, and you, you gotta, you know, make an exception. He's like, we'll see what we can do, but there's nothing we can do. And so, man, I, I looked for other jobs. I tried to figure things out, and here's what we did do. We put, like, work into it to try to fix the problem on our end. But in addition to that, Charity and I reminded God what he told us. And we didn't have to remind him because he already knew it, but we reminded him anyway. And I said, Malachi 3.10 says that you can bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And I went King James on God. I said, that there may be meat in mine house, saith the Lord of hosts, if I would not prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I would not open up the windows and doors of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you have not room enough to receive it. And I said, God, I've done my part. Now I need you to do your part. Here's what Charity and I do at the end of every year in December. We calculate, uh, because I don't get paid the same amount of money every month to make it really easy to know exactly how much I should tithe every month. You might just get paid the same every week or every month, and and you just know how much that is. Well, we try to, and when uh, income comes in sporadically and in different ways, um, well, then we, we tithe on that. But in December, we want to make sure that all of our finances are blessed and that our lives are blessed and that we're walking under God's uh, protection and covering and all that good stuff. And so in 2019, we did that. 
and we realized that, oh, there was some extra income here or there that we hadn't tithed on, so we wrote a little check. We said better late than never, and we, we put it in there conveniently before the end of the year for tax purposes, but we still wanted to be blessed. And uh, then in 2020, here's what happened. 2020 is when I lost that job, and, and you know, with your support and Grace Church is, is amazing. We, we were able to, uh, Every Home for Christ said, hey, that financial crisis that we experienced, it's a non-issue. Here's your job back. You're going to have a, a better situation than it was before the pandemic. And there, was, there were months and weeks there where there wasn't as much income. But at the end of the year, when we calculated all of our income so we could make sure that we were tithing adequately, we realized that we had brought in exactly the same amount of money in 2020 as we did in 2019 to the dollar. Isn't that incredible? God proved himself faithful. We could have worried, we could have stressed, we could have been anxious, but instead we chose to put our faith and our trust in God. And in fact, let me take it one step further. When we got to the end of the year, we originally we looked at it and we said, you know what, uh, I've made just $3,000 shy of what I made the year before. And we were thanking God for that, just because we thought this was going to be a huge disparity or huge, like, uh, difference, you know. And uh, we thought to be only $3,000 short, that is a miracle. And then we got a 1099 or, or we remembered something. And uh, we saw there was a company in, uh, in the summer that I worked for for two months. And it was kind of random. Uh, but then we saw how much money they paid me. And did you know, they paid me $3,000 for that two months. I don't think it was a coincidence that God said, all right, I'm going to give you to the dollar the exact same amount as you made the year before. I think he was proving. I think I was proving God. And if you are in a uh, financial crisis today, or in general, if you just want to be blessed today, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Starts by you doing your part. You say, God, I'm going to trust you. It's a step of obedience. It's an act of worship. But it is saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this 10%. And I'm going to believe that you're going to do the rest. Let me tell you this. When the pandemic came and it was sort of like, hey, we had, just wrote that, we had just written that check to the church, and now I lost my job. It's supposed to be the other way around. I was supposed to write a big check to the church, and then I was supposed to get a promotion, not get laid off. <laughs> but we said, you know what? We're going to trust God. And I'm so glad that we did. I'm so glad that we are faithful in our tithes, in our offerings. This message is not about tithing. This message is not about, hey, the church needs more money. This message is, hey, if you want God to provide for you, the only thing he's asking is for you to be obedient to him. And if you can do that, then he's going to prove himself faithful to you. And you can take that to the bank, literally. All right, so when Jesus said that he's the good shepherd, he means that he'll provide for you. It also means that he will protect you. Verses 12 and 13 talk about the hired servant that sees a wolf and abandons the sheep. Well, a, um, a sheep that is alone is vulnerable. Now, when you look at Psalm 23, we also see a very vulnerable situation for sheep. You see, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You have to ask yourself, why does a sheep or an individual not have to fear evil, even in the shadow, in the valley of the shadow of death? If you read the rest of that verse, you'll see it is, for thou art with me. Because God is with us. 
That's the only reason. It's not because a sheep is more powerful than a wolf. It is because the sheep has a shepherd that is more powerful than the wolf. I think alone, isolated, we are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Especially without God, without the power of God, we cannot stand on our own strength against the enemy or against death or against anything that would come against us. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. He is with you in your, he is very present in the time of need. When Jesus is talking about these hired men or these hired servants, hired shepherds that are not the actual owners of the sheep, I think he's referencing the Pharisees in this passage. The Pharisees were very selfish, and they wanted what was best for them. Kind of like a hired uh, shepherd that would say, oh, I'm not losing my life for the wolves. I'm out. These are not mine. I'm just getting a paycheck, and I'm out of here. Okay? But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I'm not doing this for selfish reasons at all. I'm doing this because I'm selfless, and I want what is best for you, and I'm going to do whatever I can to protect you. Amen? And so when we think about the valley of the shadow of death, I was on the YouVersion Bible app last night, and I was listening to this little, um, it's like a sermonette, tiny little two-minute sermon. And uh, the individual was talking about, uh, she said, you know, even if we walk through a valley of, and I thought she was going to say death, because this was on my mind, and she said, you might be walking through a valley of insecurity. And I thought to myself, wow. I never thought about a valley of insecurity and maybe think about what are the other kind of valleys that we might walk through. You know, I know what it feels like to have insecurity. I know that probably, you know, surprises most of you. But um, <laughs> you might have a valley of shame. I know what it feels like to have shame. You know, maybe you're through a valley. The enemy wants to throw all of these different um, uh, uh, attacks at you, different tools that he wants to use like fear or doubt. You might be going through a valley of unbelief today. Or maybe it's a valley of rejection. You know, Satan wants to come at you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I'm with you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I'm at your right hand. I am there with you. So even though you walk through the valley of death, and there might be somebody here that's physically ill, or you know somebody that is, and they're literally going through that valley of death, they don't have to fear any evil. But even if your body is healthy today, you don't have to fear evil. You don't have to fear rejection. You don't have to fear uh, shame. Because why? Because the Lord is with us. That is his promise as the good shepherd, not to abandon his sheep. Amen? And when it comes to this uh, protection, another cool thing that I see in Psalm 23 when David says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now when I memorized this as a seven-year-old boy... I really didn't know what that meant. I suppose I would have said that, um, you know, you have a staff, and uh, maybe if a, if a wolf comes, I'm comforted in knowing that I can hit the wolf on the head with a staff. <laughs> like, maybe that's what I would have said. And maybe that's partly true. Um, I don't know how effective that would be, but, it's, it's, but I have learned something since then. And imagine you have a staff. hope you don't get any feedback. Um, but this could be a staff, kind of looks like a staff. And uh, let's say you are comforted by your staff. How would it comfort you? Imagine you're David and you just killed a lion. And that's a pretty big victory. You kind of feel on the high, you know, of that exciting day. 
what a shepherd might do back in this time would be to go to their staff, you know, the big with the crook, with the crook at the top and stuff, and they might mark an indication on it. They might, get, might make it real big and deep and, and make some um, symbols on it to, to remind them in the future. And then uh, uh, David goes and he kills a bear or a shepherd encounters a wolf or something like that. They might go back to their staff when that encounter's over and they might make another mark on it. You might see a shepherd that's been out in the field for decades and their staff might be filled with notches and symbols and basically decorations of testimonies of things that have happened. You can see this in David's life when he's before King Saul and, he, and Saul is like, what do you think you're doing? You can't defeat a giant named Goliath. And he says, well, actually, I remember the time I killed a lion. I remember the time, that one right there, I remember the time I killed a bear. Certainly I can slay this Philistine. Because I rot and I staff, they comfort me. You could tell yourself, like I tell myself, hey, God, I remember the time when my mom was in the ICU and Charity looked at me and she said, Marcus, if your mom has another night like tonight, like she had last night, it's going to be her last night. She's not going to live another day unless she gets better very quickly. And that feeling overwhelmed me, and I dropped to my knees, and I began to pray to God. I began to intercede as hard and as fast as I knew how to. I called as many believers to pray, and by the grace of God and the healing power of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus, we saw a victory, and we saw a healing, and praise God, my mom is fine and healthy, and we marked that down as a testimony. Amen? I remember when the doctors looked at me and Charity uh, when we did the ultrasound. And they, every time we had an ultrasound, especially with Selah, they came back with bad news. They said, your daughter's going to be born premature. She's going to be tiny. Her brain, her body, every, there's all these many things that could go wrong. She's going to be born with physical abnormalities. And I just want you to brace yourself for that. Charity looked at me and she said, uh, that might be what the doctor said, but that's not what God said. That might be their report, but I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. And by the grace of God and the healing power of Jesus Christ, we were able to put another notch in our metaphorical staff. And we said, you know what? Our daughter was born healthy and well, just like God promised she was going to be. I remember when God provided for me financially through the COVID crisis. I remember when he healed my wife. I remember when he healed my brother. I remember hearing the stories about how he healed my sister. I remember how he did so many things, how he gave me comfort, how he provided for me when it didn't seem like he was going to provide. I remember when God made a way where there seemed it to be none. I remember when God provided deliverance. You might remember when God provided for you when it didn't seem like there was going to be a way. I'm telling you this, when you're faced with a trial, why don't you look at your comfort from your testimony? Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so when you're going through a testimony, I want you to know that God protects you. But I want you to use that testimony as a tool to go forward, to say, you know what? He's done it before. He can do it again. I remember when he killed the lion and the bear. He can take care of Goliath. And you can say, I remember when he healed my pastor's wife. I remember when he, he touched my body. I remember when he did this. He can do it again. Amen? Like the song said, we sang it this morning, do it again. So God is a God that protects us. He's also a God that directs us. 
The third point is direction. Verse 3 talks about how um, Jesus calls his sheep by name. He leads you. I think it's fascinating that with as many people there are in this room and with as many people as there are on this earth, Jesus knows your name. The shepherd knows the name of each sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Have you ever wanted to hear God's voice? You know, Psalm 23 says uh, that he leads me beside still waters. It's the shepherd's job to lead you. Uh, You might think that it would be great to live as a Christian, and one day you'll die and go to heaven, and then you can get to know Jesus. (laughs) You don't have to wait. Jesus is an active part in the body of Christ. The Bible calls him the head of the church, and he leads you and he guides you. And so uh, this could be a sermon in and of itself, but I want to take just a minute to tell you how you can hear God's voice. Maybe you are faced with a uh, a decision that you need to make. Uh, Well, get your paper out, get a couple notes ready, and I'm going to tell you that there are two ways that God helps the people. Um, he, he does normally, uh, in my experience and, and experience of many, speak audibly, meaning through your ears, but he speaks in other ways. There are two ways, specifically. Number one, through the Word of God. All right, so if you want to know what God's will is for your life, the first step is to go to the Bible. And so God gives lots of explicit direction in his Word. Now, if a, uh, a pastor, a preacher, uh, if a uh, feeling inside that you have, uh, like a tendency to go towards something, if anything like that contradicts the Word of God, then don't listen to it. Now, I'm thankful that we have a pastor that looks at and listens to the Word of God, and he wouldn't tell you that, but I'm just telling you that the Word of God is the supreme authority. Like, like start there. And then, if you still don't have any direction, then move on. Let me give you one example. Let's say you're dating somebody and you want to know, is this God's will for me to marry this person? Well, let me ask you, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Do you love the Lord? Then you might say, yes, I am. I love God. Well, how about this, uh, this boyfriend or girlfriend that you have or person that you might consider dating? Are they a believer? Do they love Jesus Christ? Are they a Christian? Well, no, not exactly. Not, not yet. Maybe one day they will be. Let me tell you God's will for your life. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked. It's not God's will for you to marry that person. Wow. Just got quiet. <laughs> um, let that person find Jesus Christ first, then develop a relationship with that person, or don't waste your time and find somebody else who's a strong believer. That's just what God's Word says. So if you have a feeling in your gut that this is the right one, well, then ignore that feeling and listen to the Word of God, (laughs) okay? And then if that person is a Christian, well, that doesn't mean you should marry them, but it means go to the next step, okay? So, that's just one example of how the Bible can direct you in making these steps. All righty, here's the other way. Uh, So, we have the Word of God. We also have the Spirit of God. All right? So, that's the Holy Spirit that will actually speak to you and direct you. Let's say, all right, so I've prayed about it. Uh, The person is a believer, and I don't know if this is the right one I should marry. Or I don't know if I should buy this house, or if I should send my kid to that school, or whatever it is the decision you're trying to make. Here are three simple steps that you can take 
to try to hear God's voice or try to listen uh, as he is speaking to you. Number one is repent of any sin. What if you have the sin of pride swelling up inside of you and God is saying, hey, if you just humble yourself, you might be able to hear what I'm trying to tell you. You're just not willing to listen because of this, um, uh, this sin in your life. Now, am I saying that if you can't hear God's voice, that you must have sin in your life? No. I'm just saying this is the starting point. This is just point one. Uh, let's say you did repent of your sin. Uh, well, then we'll move on to second, the second point. Here's number two. Um, have you obeyed the last thing he taught you or told you to do? Sometimes we want to know what's all the way down the path. And we say, God, I can't hear your voice. I don't know where, where direction we're going. And he says, I have illuminated the step in front of you. Why don't you take that step? And, and then maybe he'll illuminate the next step in front of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, you know, I told you to step out of faith. I, you know, God, I want to buy that house. He says, well, I told you to start tithing. <laughs> you didn't take that step. So why don't you obey me first, and then you can move on to the next thing. Now, again, it's just an example, but I don't know what God is speaking to your heart and to your life, uh, but it is important to obey what he has put in front of you. And then the last point that I want to say, and again, this could be a whole sermon. I don't want to spend too much time here, but allow time for God to speak to you. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Are you weary today? Are you tired? And you think, I just don't know what it is. Well, take the prophet's advice and say, you know what? I'm going to wait on the Lord. And it's in that waiting that I'm going to be patient. And uh, I could go on further with how to follow God's direction, but I'm going to move on and just like to dwell on that for a second. So the fourth thing, we talked about direction, but we are also God's possession. This is where he gives us a place to belong. Um, I think it's really important, and I think it's built inside of each one of us to have a place to belong. I remember when I was a freshman in uh, high school, and I was at the lunchroom. I was a new kid, okay? I hadn't been with these kids for more than just like one semester. And um, I didn't have a, a ton of friends. I know that probably surprises you uh, that I wasn't the most popular kid. Um, I wasn't the most athletic uh, in high school either. Again, I'm dropping truth bombs, just like shattering your mind. I've really blossomed since then, but um, <laughs> I... I just say I'm a late bloomer. I wasn't this athletic in uh, high school. But um, I was on the football team, I, and I wasn't, you know, the best football player by any means. I mean, that, that's really an understatement because, like, if you think about the football team, you've got the varsity team, you know, and then you've got the, the JV. And then in our school, we actually had a whole team for just the freshmen, just the freshmen. And if you're really good, like, maybe you could go up. But, like, you, if you're a freshman, you could be on this team. And with the freshman team... Uh, we had the starters, and then you had the second string, okay? And then you had where I was down here on the third string. <laughs> so to say I wasn't the most athletic would definitely be an understatement. And so they weren't announcing my name, you know, at the football games uh, because I wasn't getting a lot of, you know, time on the field. And... Um, <laughs> So therefore, I wasn't as popular, and I would go to the lunchroom, and I would see the football players sitting next to each other, 
And um, I noticed that the, the table was full. And I, I, I would like, I'd go with my tray. It was so awkward, guys, I hated school. And I would go, and I was, just, just wanted to fit in. And they didn't have a seat for me. So I kind of backed away, and I would go over here to where the popular kids are. I was like, I want to sit by them. They look cool. And, um, you know, there was, there was no seat for me over there. So I was like, here's a table that's half empty, the, the table that nobody wanted to sit with. And so I had to go, you know, basically like every day. Like, sometimes Jessica would let me sit with her at her table, but <laughs> not every time. <laughs> So I would go over here at the thing, and I would sit kind of by myself. I know that's a really sad story, but here's why I bring it up. What's well, sad to me anyway. You might be introvert, and you're like, I just want to sit by myself. But not me. I wanted to sit with the cool kids. But Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. Here's what a shepherd does. If a shepherd, in Jesus' context, has 100 sheep, but one of them walks away, and it goes off to be all by themselves, I just find comfort in knowing that the good shepherd will leave the 99, and he'll go after the one. And he'll say, well, Marcus, you don't have to sit by yourself. I'm going to sit with you. Better yet, he's going to save you a seat at the table. And, and here at Grace Church, I just want to affirm you today that this is a place where you can belong. We want to save you a seat. It doesn't matter if you're the most athletic or the most popular. It doesn't matter what you did before you became a follower of Jesus Christ or who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like or what your background is. We have saved a place for you at the table here at this church, and you belong. Amen? And I'm glad I found a place to belong. If not in school, then at least here because I love you guys and you really are my family. And so I'm glad that we belong together. Um, can you guys come uh, as we kind of wrap things up? Speaking of a place to belong, maybe you do come to this church regularly on Sundays, but you don't inherently feel like you belong. Kind of like, okay, well, that's, that, that sounds good. I'm glad people clapped, but I don't like really feel that. I'm still sitting by myself. Well, I want to encourage you, if that's even a thought in your mind, next week when we do the small group rally, I'm putting the onus on you. You need to sign up. It might be intimidating. You might feel a little bit nervous about joining a small group, but I want to tell you, it can change your life. I remember when I lost my job a year and a half, two years ago, whatever it was, and it was somebody in my small group. I remember I called Kurt, and I said, hey, buddy, I just lost my job. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's because we were in a small group together. That's where we lean on for our time of need. Yes, Jesus Christ. But sometimes he embodies people, and we are stronger together. So if you really do want a place to belong, then please come next week and or the week after. Meet some small group leaders and take that step. It might feel like a big step, but it will change your life and you'll have a, a stronger place. Uh, I mentioned that uh, the Good Shepherd is provision, protection, direction, that we are his possession. But point number five is he is our salvation. Verse 11 says that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Reminds me of Romans 5, 8, which says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is Jesus that is the good shepherd. He calls himself. He says, I am the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. He would rather die than allow a wolf or a bear or Satan to come in and destroy and to kill and to steal from you. My dad did an excellent job last week talking about how Jesus said, I am the door. If there was a big circular fence in the middle of a field, maybe it was built with stones and rocks and it kind of created a barrier so a wolf or a lion or something couldn't come in to attack the sheep, there would be a six-foot opening and a good shepherd at night would actually lay down in that opening to keep any sheep from going out and to keep any predator from coming in. In a literal and in a metaphorical way, Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the door. He is the only way to the Father. There are not many ways to God. There are not many paths to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the way, and he is the only way. Amen? And so when I say that he is the good shepherd, I also want to point out that he is also the Lamb of God. You see, in the Old Testament, they dealt with sin in a much different way than we deal with sin today. All right, today we might say, um, all right, God, I'm going to make a sacrifice to you. I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice. That phrase might be familiar to you, but listen to this. A living sacrifice is an oxymoron. You cannot both be alive and a sacrifice because a sacrifice is dead. Now, yeah, I mean, you can be in this context, but when you look at it in the context of the Old Testament, a sacrifice was in many cases a lamb that actually had to bleed and die so that the sin could be dealt with. And that was only a temporary solution until Jesus came. I don't know why, but I hesitate to talk about this because it is gruesome and it is not politically correct and it is very difficult, but it is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross on Calvary and the death, burial, and resurrection that we can be saved. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I do want to explain to you, Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He did not deserve to be punished. He did not deserve to be nailed to a cross and to bleed and to die, but yet he did. He took all of our pain. He took all of our shame. He took our rejection. He took it all on the cross so that we could live a life that is forgiven and free. And so I want to talk to two groups of people as we wrap this up. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 and 16. Talk about how God is this good shepherd. He says, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. Would you stand with me today? And in a moment of reflection, I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your head and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? And what part of this sheep herd or flock am I? 
Would you consider yourself one that has never been a part of this body of Christ? Maybe you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Listen today, if you want to inherit eternal life, and I mean by that, you're actually going to go to heaven when you die and not be punished for the sins that Jesus was already punished for, for eternity in hell. You say, I want eternal life. Well, then you can have that today. It's as simple as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Just to ask Jesus to forgive you, to say, God, I surrender my life to you. I'll, I'll be that living sacrifice. I will let you be the Lord of my life instead of myself. You can be saved today if you do that. Or maybe you're the second group, this is the second half of this first group that says, God says, I will go look for them. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays. Maybe you have strayed. Maybe you are here today and you were a part of the family of God, the body of Christ. You were a Christian. But, and I'm not saying that you've strayed, but if you just think in your heart, you know what? I have lived a life of compromise. I have rejected God and I have walked away from him. I don't mean to say that you, you sinned yesterday and you are remorseful and you are, have asked God to forgive you. I just mean that you've walked away from God, from this family of God. Jesus is willing to leave the 99 and he is right there. All you need to do is turn around and you will see the good shepherd is ready to take you back home. I'm gonna address another group in just a moment, but I wanna pause right here and just ask, is there anybody here today that would say, Marcus, I've strayed. Or maybe I've never made a decision to live for Jesus Christ. And if I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell, but today you wanna be sure, you wanna know that you will have eternal life. And I just want you to raise your hand up nice and high and say, you know what? I wanna rededicate my life to Christ. I wanna come back to Jesus, or maybe I wanna come to him for the first time. If you'll just raise your hand, what we're gonna do is all together, we're just gonna say a prayer in just a moment. Thank you for the hands that are going up all across this place. Thank you for the lives that are being transformed. Holy Spirit is just speaking to you right now. God wants to do a work. Thank you for those hands. Is there anybody else that says, hey, include me in on that prayer. I want my life to be changed. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life so that when I die, I know I'm going to heaven. All right, if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, I want everybody here to repeat this prayer after me and say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give all those that raised their hand a hand clap and just say welcome to the family of God or welcome back home. Welcome home. You belong here in this family. I really encourage you if you raised your hand to stop by the VIP booth in the foyer afterwards and talk about getting the next steps. Join a small group so you can learn to grow in Christ. You could come up and talk to me and celebrate. Follow Christ's command to getting baptized to show everybody that you made that decision. But I want to talk to one more group of people in Ezekiel 37. Great chapter. You should read it later this week. Jesus also says that I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. You might be here today. You are a Christian. You love Jesus Christ, but you feel injured. 
Maybe you were injured by a previous church. Maybe you feel like you were injured by um, a previous spouse or somebody that has hurt you or some situation that has happened, maybe even way beyond your control. Or you could say, you know what, I wouldn't say it so much as to say that I'm injured, but maybe I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, and I need God to strengthen me. I'd like to invite the prayer team to come forward at this time. During this next song, if you want us to agree with you in prayer for any reason, could be something I mentioned or something that's totally unrelated. You just want God to bless you and give you a promotion or you have a decision to make and you need that shepherd to direct you. We want to agree with you in prayer. I'm just going to close in prayer today, and then the altars are open. We're going to sing one more song. I encourage you, please stick around. Don't leave yet. Emily is going to close us uh, after the next song and uh, just ask God to do what only he can do. So let's go before the Lord one more time in prayer. Good shepherd, we thank you that you are so willing to even lay down your life for us, your beloved sheep. We give you praise and worship and adoration, God, because you are worthy of our praise. Lord, I pray that you will have spoken to every heart here today. Lord, that you directly speak to each person so that we know the next steps to take as a result of this message. Lord, I thank you for saving the lost. Thank you for bringing back those of us that have strayed. Lord, I thank you for healing those of us that are injured, Lord, and strengthening those that are weak. I pray that you would strengthen this body today. God, that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we lead the direction, as we follow the leading of you, God. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday, but uh, let's sing this next song. Amen.
you don't owe it, move on. Move on from this moment. It's okay that you messed up. I'm wiping it clean. So I just thought that was cool. I use stories of my own life to relate to Jesus. But yeah, thank you so much for coming. Um, I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for joining us here at Grace Church. Let me just close this in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for each and every person who came out today, God. I pray that we would take this week and just um, find your grace in something in our life, God, that we would truly see the, the little um, blessings of heaven that you send down to us um, just in everyday life and everyday things, God. And I pray that you would go with each and every one of us, keep us safe, bring us all back next week, and um, bring us here on Wednesday to worship together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.